Hello, and welcome back to the Can Do MS podcast, episode number 107. My name is Dr. Rosalind Kalb, and I'll be your host for this episode. I'm a psychologist and a senior programs consultant with Can Do MS. Today, we're joined by Dr. Terry Walls, who's a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, where she teaches and conducts research on the impact of nutrition and lifestyle changes on MS and other progressive health problems. In addition to being a medical professional and researcher, Dr. Walls offers a unique perspective as a person living with MS. Hello, Terry. I'm I'm very excited to have the opportunity to, to talk with you today. So welcome to our podcast. Oh, and thank you so much for having me. I love doing these podcasts. I love reaching out and talking to people about these radical things known as vegetables. <laughs> so I've been working in the MS field a very long time and, and long enough to have followed your health and wellness journey from early on. And Again, I'm really grateful to you for taking the time to share your ideas about how important wellness strategies are when a person is managing um, chronic illness. So can can we just start by talking about your background a little bit? So I'm originally an artist uh, and then I went to medical school uh, and became internal medicine doc, had a couple of kids, was in practice and everything was going great, Roz. And then in 2000, you know, I got diagnosed with MS, being a physician and an academic one at that. I sought out the very best MS center I could find in the country, saw the very best people, took the newest drugs, and went downhill anyway. And uh, within three years, I'm in a tilt recline wheelchair. I take metazantrone. I take Tizabri. I'm thrilled to take Tizabri because we're all so excited about that new drug and the biologics. And I'm still going downhill. And then I'm, so I'm switched to other drugs. Uh, and, you know, that's really when my education began. Ross. It's like, oh my God, you know, this is terrible. Um, and uh, that's when I decided, you know, am I really doing all that I can? Um, so I start searching on PubMed. I get good at that. And I begin uh, reading. I look for drug studies at first. And then eventually... And I'm sort of embarrassed as about how long this took me. Eventually, I started reading about supplement studies, uh, about meditation, about exercise. Uh, my uh, interesting enough, my neurologist had told me about the work of um, uh, Lauren Cordain. Uh, and I, uh, after 20 years of being a vegetarian and a lot of prayer and meditation, I went back to eating meat and you know adopted the paleo diet. Uh, and so. Again, you know, this is all based on reading the science. I got down to a lot of self-experimentation. Mm-hmm. I, and that really is when my education began. Can I just ask you, um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, so I was diagnosed in 2000, so I would have been 45. Okay. So and that so really then... sort of the cusp when people begin to transition to progressive MS. Right, right. Okay, so I know that your diet, the now famous Waltz diet that we've been hearing about for a long time, was the centerpiece of a change 
for you in, mm -hmm. in managing uh, your path back from severe disability. So do you, is it your sense at this point that dietary changes can have that impact for everybody or? Well, that, so I, <clears throat> it depends on what the goal is. Um, and I want to remind everyone that even our best, very best disease modifying drug treatment uh, protocols, you know, they, the very best drugs are like 68% efficacious at, at reducing the risk of relapse. They don't turn to zero. They don't stop disability progression. They have some improvements. So moving from the standard American diet, high in added sugar and processed foods, to eating more of these radical things known as vegetables, cooking meals at home, having high quality meat, having healthy fats will improve your um, health overall. It will likely improve your blood pressure, your blood sugar. It'll reduce the risk of cancers. It will probably improve your mood. I predict it may well improve energy fatigue uh, and improve health overall. Um, will it get everyone out of the wheelchair? I, I have to remind everyone that um, to improve your muscles, you got to do this old-fashioned thing known as exercise and uh, physical therapy. And there's, there are a number of things that we can do to accelerate that, of course. So as part of an overall wellness program, it will be helpful. It, it's not going to fix everything for everyone. You know, my hair is still getting gray. I am getting older. I'm, I'm 66, soon to be 67. And though my plan is to live and thrive to 120, um, I, I, uh, aging is happening. Okay, so, so wellness strategies can't fix everything that we deal with, but it sounds as though you're saying that it's a package deal, that mm -hmm. this healthy diet that you're talking about that has a lot of veggies in it works in combination with adequate physical activity and exercise and attention to other aspects of your wellness. You know, I think it helped a lot um, with my colleagues and probably the neurology community when I made it clear that this is a wellness program, this is creating health, that you still would need to treat your diseases and the comorbid diseases with whatever the standard of care is. But by embracing wellness in all the components of wellness, what we have observed in my clinics, uh, in my clinical trials, is that the medications that are required to manage the comorbid diseases tend to diminish and often go away. The level of potency of the disease-modifying drug treatments can often be diminished from the highly efficacious drug to a more moderately efficacious drug that may be more convenient one of the uh, oral drugs uh, by chance, and that some individuals are able to transition off entirely. Uh, we don't know, but as overall health of the person improves, typically what I see is their medication regimen can simplify uh, and people can move from to progressively less uh, um, medications with fewer side effects. So just to clarify for our listeners, when you talk about comorbid health conditions, can you just define what you mean and give, give examples of the ones oh, that sure. are so important for people with MS? 
So we, we know that if you have um, mental health issues, anxiety and depression, uh, that probably indicates that there's more um, inflammation going on in the brain, more uh, reactive microglia, and that those individuals will are more likely to have uh, more disability uh, and more rapid decline. We also know that if you have um, blood sugar problems, so if you have diabetes uh, or insulin resistance, that those individuals uh, have a shorter time to wheelchair, a shorter time to severe fatigue disability, and a shorter time to loss of employment. Uh, and what, what we, we have consistently seen in my clinics at the VA, and that's where I was treating all sorts of complex chronic diseases, not just MS, uh, that people with anxiety, depression would report their mood remarkably improving. In that blood sugar, uh, you know, and the VA, wonderful organization that it is, has these electronic medical records so I could run reports uh, of the people that I saw, what happened with their body mass index, what happened with their blood sugars, their A1Cs and the lipid values, and all those things improve consistently. And on, and on top of that, Roz, they were taking fewer and fewer diabetic meds. Uh, and so uh, and that was really very exciting to watch and to see uh, uh, people that we, again, you know, I'm seeing a, a wide variety of health challenges, folks coming with a wide variety of autoimmune diseases uh, that were coming to our uh, therapeutic lifestyle clinic, that uh, most of them would have severe fatigue. A lot of them ha would have mental health issues, anxiety, depression, and most were uh, disabled, unable to work uh, for a long time. Uh, and usually within uh, three months, sometimes as early uh, as a month, people would say the energy is better, uh, their mood is better, and we'd see their blood pressures coming down, would be having to adjust their blood pressure meds. So if, if the approach to overall wellness, which also helps people with autoimmune diseases and chronic conditions like MS, is the starting point for each person the same? Is it you oh, recommend that people That's a start wonderful with... question. So um, we, we, what I've learned is family interventions are far more successful than individual interventions. So we would always have uh, in my clinics that the patient and a significant family member uh, come, preferably the, the person who's gonna be most involved in meal preparation. So they would be part of the intake. Uh, they'd complete the timeline and the review so we could identify what were the key landmarks. And I would do this as, uh, as a group. We'd have uh, 10 patients, sometimes 12 uh, in their family members. So it, it, it would have to get bigger and bigger rooms to accommodate everyone. Yeah, and then uh, we would have these discussions. Okay, what, what is, we, need, we would recommend everybody start with improving their diet and a stress reducing practice. And then uh, part of the questions are, what is the diet that you and your family can successfully do? And it might be a Mediterranean diet. It might be, you know, basically it was the, sort of the level one walls diet, which looks like a gluten-free Mediterranean diet. Um, um, a lot of my vets were uh, hunters and fishers. Uh, they, they were uh, hunters in their family could get them plenty of venison and fish. And they were uh, very comfortable doing uh, basically my level two of my diet, uh, which is a modified paleo diet. Uh, 
Uh, and we had a few folks who were very keen and excited about uh, a ketogenic diet, and we would guide them uh, towards the ketogenic diet. Because it's a family intervention, having the conversation with the family members so they understand why we're doing this, the health benefits for them and for the patient are very important. Uh, and my, my general strategy is we'd focus first on what we're adding to the diet. So, and for most folks, you know, it's very funny about us when I'd say, okay, the goal is nine cups of vegetables. And they're like, okay, is that a month or a week? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd laugh, say, no, 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 that's per day. They're like, oh my God. So we, we don't need to be hungry. So you don't have to over overeat. So if you're a petite person, you know, we had some very petite uh, ladies and occasionally very petite guys, they'd be eating, of course, less. But we, I, I don't want people to be hungry, but I want them to eat foods that are good for them. But so, so diet was an important starting point for these families. So it, and, and uh, yes. you mentioned uh, the meditation as well. At what point, do you begin to say, and you know, physical activity is really helpful too, because I know we don't want to overwhelm yeah. these families by saying you have to do all these changes at once, but how do you help how, them? How do we do that? Yeah. Um, well, we had a really wonderful, wonderful process. Um, so I would have a sort of a walking class where we'd have everybody who'd referred to us uh, and we would uh, have some case studies explain the principles of our program, and then say, if you're ready, you can sign up. You have to commit to uh, being gluten-free and a goal of nine cups of vegetables a day. Uh, and if you can commit to that, we'll help you uh, with their intake and monthly support groups. If that's too hard, uh, you can we can send you to a dietitian to work gradually on your diet or to a psychologist to work on stress reduction or to a physical therapist to work on exercise. Or you may say, you know what, things are too difficult because my son uh, has leukemia. I have to focus on my family right now. And like, that's okay. Come back when you're ready to be all in. Uh, and so then people come all in uh, and they have that timeline and we begin the monthly support groups. When you come to the monthly support group, we would have newbies, and we'd have senior folks who've been there at least you know, several months. And so, and then we have a little timer, my little smartphone, and we'd count up how many people were in the room, because these, these would be 90 minute meetings. And we'd go around uh, and have little timers, people could ask questions, tell stories. And so everybody might have about five minutes. Uh, and uh, so the newbies might, might ask uh, some questions and we invite the more senior mentors to guide them. Because what I found is, you know, I could say the same thing, but it lands very differently if another vet says, oh, you know what? Bacon and kale can be really delicious. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so, uh, or this is what we did uh, when the grandchildren came. Uh, and the more senior folks we're primed to say, get a step counter and write how many steps you took every day. Uh, and the goal is to take just a few more. Um, and so the longer people were in our group and they're having more energy, feeling better, the more senior members of the group would be encouraging the, the, the newbies 
and they would meet collectively without us, without the dietitian and myself. Um, uh, and then the other thing that we did, Ross, uh, so the, the first year we just had the intake and the group meetings, the second year, and after that, uh, we had a skills class that we ran every month. Uh, and we would invite you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy, dietitians, chefs, uh, meditators, uh, folks from the community to come do a skills class. Uh, and anybody could just drop in uh, and answer questions for the first half hour. And then the second hour would be uh, skills. Uh, yeah, it's so in line with our can-do philosophy and the way that we bring people together, obviously to learn from clinicians, but most of all to learn from each other. So I really, mm -hmm. I really uh, see the value of that and appreciate it. I have one last, last question for you. So you have a, uh, a patient who has come to you for care, their MS and their wellness, and they know what you're known for, and they know probably some of the things you're going to recommend. And what if this person says to you, you know, Dr. Wells, I, I just don't have the energy or the time to invest in my own wellness right now. I've got too many demands on me. Yeah. What would you say to that person? Come back when you're ready. So I, I, I younger, my, when I was younger, I thought it was my responsibility to convince people to do things. Now I see things a little differently. Now I see that it's my opportunity to tell stories, to inspire hope, uh, and to create an invitation, and, and to also acknowledge that there are times that people can't, for whatever reason, prioritize themselves. Uh, and to hold, hold them in my heart and realize, I understand that this is where you're at right now. When you are ready, to begin to take action, uh, to take care of yourself, we're here for you. If I try to browbeat them, I may be able to get them to say, okay, okay, Dr. Walls, I'm gonna do this. But as soon as they walk out of my office, they'll say, that was the most stupid interchange. She didn't listen to a darn thing that I said. Um, so I, I just have to hold them in my heart and say, I understand that things are really difficult for you. Please come back when, when you're ready. Uh, to take action for yourself. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for this podcast. And I'm so grateful that the interventions that you chose to use for yourself um, have helped you stay healthy and well and productive and teaching us all these things that we need to know about how to take care of ourselves. Thank you very much. Thank you, Roz. Next month, Dr. Wells will be back to talk about her current research and clinical trial. We look forward to hearing more about your work and what's on the horizon. To our listeners, you've reached the end of another episode of the Can Do MS podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Rosalind Kalb. Thank you for listening. I'd also like to take a moment to say thank you to our sponsors for their generous support. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the Can Do MS podcast and give us a rating and review. Thanks for tuning in.